Well, once again, if you're just joining us, thank you for joining us online. Uh, we're in part four of our series called All Things Church. And uh, sorry, I did not make printoffs, fill in the blanks for you today. I'm going to do a better job of getting those to you each and every week. So if you would, uh, take notes on your phone. This is a what I'm going to say is a very important uh, talk today because as we're in this series on all things church, today is about what you do. And I've titled the message, What You Do. If you were part of our services last week, you remember that I talked about what I do. But now I get to teach you on what you are supposed to do. And, and so I'm excited for that. So here, I want to begin with a question today. And it's a question for you just to reflect on for a moment. We'll put it up on the screen if we have it. What's your role within the church? I want you to think about that question for just a minute. What is your role within a church? And today, I really believe this is a super, super important uh, teaching to give you today. So no matter where you go, uh, you would know what your role is within the church. And you may not even know this, but you have a role within the church. And it's significant. And one of the great tragedies, like this, this is those things that like breaks my heart, is that when people sit back and A, don't even know they have a role within the church, and B, don't contribute their role to the body of Christ. Because I'm going to teach you in just a minute that when you don't contribute your role, everyone suffers for that. And, and most, dare I say importantly, you suffer for that because you don't get the luxury of being used by God in the way that he intended you to be used. And it's just, you miss out on it. It's not just on what the body, it's what also you miss out on. So, today uh, is all about your roles in the church. And again, I got to take you back to the series so you understand the context. If today's your first time joining in, like, why are they talking about this? Well, in the series, All Things Church, I, we just felt impressed by God, and I did, to teach on just this church and what's happening in this church. And in Seeing what I just mentioned, talk, or talking about what I just mentioned ago about not being able to have a home, you know, necessarily in, in the next 12 Sundays. We have 12 Sundays left here. But uh, the timing of this, the Lord told me and put in my heart to say, I want you to teach on all things church. And it was going to be about the vision of our church and re kind of establishing how we're doing this church and bringing in Brave Track and some of that we're talking about, of course. And so I think the timing of it all just all made sense. And somebody asked me the other day, how's your church doing? I said, it's the healthiest it's ever been spiritually. I think today we are literally in one of the healthiest states as a church body we've ever been in. It's incredible to see what God is doing in this church body. Amen. And so, uh, anyways, this whole series is, uh, is talking about what's inside of Brave, where Brave is, where Brave is going. And that's interesting that God would begin to go, you thought you knew where you were going, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, but I, I trust him. We're following him. That's where we're going. Amen. So, anyways... Um, so today is all about what your role is within church. And again, you got to hear me on this because when you hear this talk today, uh, I don't want to beat you up. So don't feel beat up, feel encouraged, feel lifted up. Um, if you feel beat up, well, maybe there's a reason, but I, but it's not because of me. Um, last week I took responsibility and I shared with you my heart towards what my responsibility is here as a leader of this church. And, and now it's your turn. All right, here we go. So, all right. So, Take a moment to consider this question, what's your role within the church? But I could say it this way, why are you here? I mean, why, why are you here? 
Now, I know, I know that, you know, you, a lot of you would have lots of answers, right? And you would, you, I got invited here, somebody's offering me to take me out for lunch afterwards, or whatever the case is. Um, and, but for, some, for, for many people, just want you, why, and don't, you know, you don't have to answer this rhetorically, just think about it. Why are you here? I'm here to learn the Word of God. I'm here to sing to God. I'm here to pray to God. I'm here to get things better in my marriage. I'm here to, get, I'm here to meet a friend. No, no, it's much more important than that. And I hope you see the kingdom today. I mean, the kingdom of God at play. You're here for a really, really significant reason. And I want you to see that today. All right? So if you have a Bible out, Ephesians chapter 4 is where I'm going to be. You may not know it, but I believe you're here for a reason. I don't think people show up to church for coincidence. I don't. I believe that God uh, destines that, ordains that. So that he can come into a relationship with you and you would get to know him and he gets, you know, kind of unpack you and you get to know who you are in him. And, and so I hope you've discovered that today. So I titled the message again, What You Do. Paul writes to a church in Ephesus and he helps them understand what their role was within the church. So he answers the question. This is a clear, this is black and white. There's not a lot of gray here. He paints it very clear what the people's role is, is within the church. And I'm not even going to get the exhaustive list today, but I'll certainly give a couple of things today. I'm going to give you three things today that you're, I knew if I could sit here and talk about a hundred things for you to do, you would forget all of them. So I'm going to give you three and hopefully you can remember at least just the three. All right, so here we go. I'm going to start with verse seven, chapter four. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Okay. Men and women, I want you to know something. You have a gift. Okay. And I know some of you are thinking, I've already heard this sermon before. Okay. Well, is the body receiving your gift? Okay. I want you to take this very serious today because I want you to hear the Father saying, I've given you a gift. You have gifts, and he's the giver of the gift. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave. So who's the giver? Christ, okay? So Christ is the giver of the gifts, and here are some gifts that he gave. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All right, so you've heard of five-fold ministry. You ever heard of that before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of five-fold ministry. You ever heard of six-fold ministry? Raise your hand. Amen. I'm about to show you. It's six-fold. It ain't five-fold. You ready for this? Okay. Apostles, prophets, what does he say? Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's a five-fold ministry. We believe in the five-fold ministry. I don't. I believe in six-fold ministry. To equip, which is the Greek word to build up, his people. Some translations say saints, but we'll say his people, okay? His saints, the body of Christ. Their role is to equip who? He doesn't say the fivefold, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Go equip yourself in the mirror. Just go preach to yourself, Ricky. Go preach to yourself and build yourself up. Open up the Word of God, look into a mirror, and preach your butt off, right? You go out there, <clears throat> you know, uh, prophets, and prophesy. 
to yourself. He says, I want you to go equip the people, build up the body of Christ, his people, for works of service. It is a six-fold ministry, not a five-fold ministry, and you are the sixth. Who? The people. I want you to know that not every one of you is an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. That would suggest to say that's where the gifts end. There's only five. There's not. What's more powerful? Think about it like this. One man who can stand as an evangelist and lead 300 people to Christ or an evangelist who can teach a church how to evangelize to reach much more. You see what I'm saying to you? So the evangelist builds up you to empower you, to encourage you, to teach you, to train you so that you can go evangelize to the world. If an evangelist got up here and preached and saw 300 people get saved, that would be amazing. But what if an evangelist got up here and taught 300 people how to go evangelize? Which one is more effective in the kingdom? Which one? The second one. So it's a six-fold ministry. You're needed and gifted by God to carry out the advancement of his kingdom. So he equips the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining in the whole measure the fullness of Christ. So each office, by the way, you look at the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, each office... If you can imagine an office in the context of a business mindset for a second, or an office, or a role, a function, okay? Each office has a different function or role within it, but the same ministry is to equip. Did you catch that? The evangelist equips, the pastor equips, the teacher equips, the, the prophet equips. It all equips the people. Different functionalities, different ways of going about it, but all those five areas... All are towards building up the body of Christ. I told you last week that pastoring is what I do. It's a gift that I've received. And it can be taken away at any moment. Pastoring is what I do. It's not who I am. It's a gift. Do you see that? Now, I'm not saying, wow, he just got there today. He said, I'm gifted. Well, I am gifted and so are you. Amen? I mean, you're gifted too. He is just so gifted. Well, so are you. Okay? And my gift, by the way, is not more important than your gift. Do you understand that? My gift is this, it's as needed in the body as yours is. Like, we need your gift and you need my gift. And thank God we're not all gifted. Can you imagine what would happen if we were all pastors? You would never leave. (laughs) Amen? Amen? I mean, the clock would be irrelevant. We would be here tonight, 10 p.m. Who cares about food? I've got the word of God to preach. Right? Thank God for our administrators who are like, it's yeah, 24 minutes. You got to go. We gotta, amen? You understand? Praise God that we don't just have visionaries. You'd have a lot of great ideas, a lot about awesome houses, but you wouldn't have a house to live in. Right? If I was the guy who built homes, every one of you would have a dream home. And that's where it would end. You wouldn't have concrete. 
but it'd be an awesome home in here. Do you get the point of the kingdom of God? Is there a need for visionaries? Yes. But there's also so many different gifts that go into building a home or building the body of Christ, building a church. Okay. I want to give you three things that I believe that are clearly told to us in Scripture, taught to us in Scripture, that every follower of Jesus is called to do within the, in the church. Number one, to be available. Isaiah 6 says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then the one of the Sephirim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with his tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this, is, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sins are atoned for. When Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected from the grave, your sins were atoned for, and he made you clean. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Okay, so after his sins are atoned for, then I heard the voice of God speaking to me, and he said, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I responded, Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So once Isaiah acknowledges his own sin, did you, did you notice what he said there? With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, now this has touched your lips. The guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for. Then I heard the voice say, who shall I sin? Send me. What I want you to understand for Isaiah it's true in the New Testament. It's true throughout Scripture. Once you became to understand how God has saved you, it always leads to you being available to Him. How could you tell the person who gave their life for you and atoned for your sins, I'm not available for you, but thank you for making yourself available to die in place for me? That's why it makes no sense to me how a follower of Jesus could say, I don't have time to serve your kingdom. Your number one role in a church, that is within the body of Christ, and I believe into the local church, is to one, be available. In other words, remove the excuse, I don't have time. Well, you're not telling the church you don't have time. You're telling Christ you don't have time. I don't have time. Not me. Now, everybody else has time, but I don't have time. Because you are so busy, and yet, I just want you to know, no one else is. I'm not busy. I have four children. I mean, we, our schedule is like perfect. We don't have, we don't have we're great. <laughs> Amen, Carissa? We're not busy. We don't have to make dinner. We have people do that for us, right? I mean, there's so many of you who serve, by the way. So many of you, by the way. It's a, so many of you who serve and, and just as busy as anybody else. I'm just in a busy season. When are you ever out of a busy season? Be available. I want to encourage you with this because I think this is where the enemy has got some of you. So please hear my encouragement. Many of you think, I'll make myself available 
when I feel I'm ready. When, uh, in other words, you talk yourself out of being available because you think that God doesn't want you yet. Jesus Christ is what makes you ready, not you. If you wait on you to get your life ready in order to serve the Lord, you'll never, ever serve the Lord. Did you notice that Isaiah said, my sin was atoned for. Now I'm ready. Let me say it to you this way. We make ourselves available to God. God makes us able. You just need to be available. Don't worry about your ability. Worry about your availability. Focus on availability, not ability. And too many people say, well, when I get my life right, then I'll serve the Lord. That is a lie from hell. You just give God what you have, and then he'll bless it. He'll make it work. God has the ability. He just needs people who will say, I'm available. And you will be blown away by what God does through you when you say, God, here I am, send me. You will be blown away. Here I am, send me. Here I am. Whatever you want to do with me. Number two, be faithful. To be faithful. What you do, what you're told, to be faithful. Okay. Acts 6, 3 says, and I'm reading an amplified version here. I thought I did a good job, so I want to read you the amplified version on this one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, choose from among you seven men with good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom they put in charge of this task. Okay, hold on to good reputations for just a minute. I'm going to go to another verse, Matthew 25, 23. His master replied, well done, good and what servant? Faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. As followers of Jesus, we are told we'll be rewarded for what? How much money you have in your account? How many trophies you won, you know, as a teenager or whatever? How big your house is? How many people you have attending your church? How many hours you serve? How much money you gave to the church? Faithfulness. That's what gets rewarded. And did you notice that when Acts, when they're starting out the church and they're trying to appoint new leadership, they said, find people with a good reputation. Well, the only way you determine somebody's reputation is by getting to know them for a period of time. And I think you can equate faithfulness to longevity. People who just stick it through. You know what? Faithfulness, I keep going, whether it's like this or not. I'm still faithfully following you. The Lord looks for people who are just faithful. Full of faith, regardless of the scenarios around me. I'm faithful. God has entrusted something to my care, and I'm faithful with it. Does that mean you get it right all the time? No. Faithful, though. Just faithful with what God has entrusted to my care. Amen. Trustworthy, words like committed, longevity. Faithful people don't abandon things when things get hard. They don't abandon their faith when their faith gets shaken a little bit or 
could be shaken. And just faithful, consistent, steadfast, remain firm. All these words are used to describe Jesus' followers all through Scripture. Just faithful. Don't you want to live to hear the words, well done, good, and faithful? You were faithful with what I gave you? Amen. The third one is to be serving. So I've got available, faithful, and to be serving. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So the purpose of your gift is to build the body of Christ in service. You can't build the body of Christ without serving the body of Christ, in other words. Did you hear that? You cannot build the body throughout, without serving. Serving is attached to building. When I take my gift and I, I use that gift that God has given me, it serves you. I'm serving you through the gift that God has given me. And when many of you serve each other in this setting, in this context, you're serving each other. There are people serving you right now. We know that there are favorite people every Sunday. Some of you show up for just child care. And I'm convinced at some point in this church's history, there has been and will be, if not already, people who dropped off their kids and left and we didn't know it. To which we say, you're welcome. We love you. Go. Go grocery shopping. Get things done. I get it, right? We'll watch online later, right? I know. I know it's happened. I'm convinced. And some of you are like, I never thought about that. Yeah. That's a great idea. I'll just take the name tag and head out, you know. <laughs> what a great idea. They're just serving. Okay, so what is Ephesians 4? Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. If you have your Bible, please go back and read this. Circle that word joint. It's so important. With which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, notice each part has to work properly, okay? It has to function, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. Here, here's, you say, well, what's a joint? Think about what a joint is in the physical body. It's where two parts come together, is it not? It's where two parts come together. The parts can't function if they don't come together. Without the joint, it doesn't work the same. What's his point of the picture? I need all parts to function properly. If you want the church, the body of Christ, to function as it's supposed to, it needs your gift too. Don't complain about why the church isn't doing what the church should be doing. And I'm talking about the universal church, not this church. I'm talking about universal church. Why the church isn't doing X, Y, Z. If you're not contributing your gift to the body. In fact, the very reason why the universal church may not be doing what it's called to do is because not every part is doing what the, every part is called to do. So how could somebody who doesn't contribute to the body of Christ ever complain about why the body of Christ isn't doing what the body of Christ should be doing, which is including you? Most people like to point fingers at why the church isn't doing it. I think the church should be more giving. Well, then I think you should start giving. I think the church should be serving its community more. Well, great. Put some tennis shoes on. Get some dirty shirt on. Let's go serve. Well, no, no, no. I said the church. <laughs> I think the church should sing louder in worship. Well, sing. 
I think that church should be more alive and shout amens. Well, shout amen. You see what I'm saying? The focus becomes on the organization. And how in the world could you ever say, you know, complain about the body of Christ universally, about why it's not doing what it should be doing? I'm telling you, the reason why the body of Christ isn't doing what it should be doing universally, locally, globally, all over, is because not all parts are doing what they're intended to do. So if you want to be part of a local body of Christ that flourishes and grows and does everything that God wants it to do, then get to work. Can I make it more clear? Why are you here? I mean, what's your role? The body of Christ grows not based on what you supply, but by what you supply as you join in partnership with other parts. How did God's creation escape the flood, by the way? Do you remember? He had, Noah had to build a boat. And you know what he had to do to save the planet? The reason why you get to go to the zoo? Do you know what Noah did? He took one piece of wood and another piece of wood and he put them together. Now, just wrap your head around this for me. Just, just think about it. How much of the world would he have saved if all he had was one log? You know who he would have saved? Himself and maybe his wife if she was looking good. That He's like, hey, sorry, sons. She's getting on. Do you think about it? The way the world was saved through the flood, through Noah and the building of the ark, was by joining pieces of wood together over and over and over and over and over again until eventually it builds a massive boat that holds two of every kind. And I don't think that was just, well, that's just symbolically. No, I think that's literally. How? God. That's my explanation. God does stuff that I don't understand how he does it, but he does it. It's incredible. And I don't think like he thinks, and his ways are higher than my ways. And I don't have to understand everything about him, because I will never understand anything about him. And I've already surrendered that. One reason why you're here living and breathing today is because a man joined pieces of wood together. God needs you and wants you. Now, he doesn't need you because he's insufficient in of himself. Of course, God is sufficient in of himself, but he needs you because he chose to need you in the context of I chose to reveal myself through you. It's a need not out of desperation in the context that he can't do it by himself. Of course, God can do it. He could do whatever he wants, and he did. And here's how he chose to do it. He chose to do it through you. To reveal himself through you. Every board had to be joined together to save the world. If you want to save the world, join into the body of Christ and contribute your gift. Your gift. You are gifted. You're gifted. Business-minded, administrative, mercy, 
kindness, generosity, hospitality, prophecy, teaching, pastoring, all kinds of wonderful gifts that the body of Christ has. You might say, well, I don't even know my gift. First step, just make yourself available. If you just make yourself available, God will unfold all those little next steps. Just being available, being faithful, and then be serving. All right, I'll wrap it up with this verse. This is the cool part. Do I still have nine minutes left? No, nine minutes over? I can't have nine minutes left, can I? That's what it says. Can't. It's just late. Okay. (laughs) And we know who the administrator is. Okay. (laughs) Like, hey, I got a long time. Amen. We got another verse. I got a whole bunch of verses. All right. I'll wrap it up fast. There we go. Uh, This is the cool part. This is the result of the work, what happens when people come together. All right. If you all came together and all contribute your gifts, this is the result. Ephesians 4, 14. Then, after we do this, we, all of us, okay, will no longer be infants. I love what Paul writes here. Once you all contribute your gift to the body, we will no longer be infants. We won't be tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, that cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. We won't be all torn apart. Instead, we will be speaking the truth in love, and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him as the head. Anybody here would like to be part of a local body of Christ who is mature, and Christ is the head of that church, and we're just growing and growing and growing. And I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about spiritually growing to become more like Christ. If you want to be part of a body that's just growing to become more like Christ, then contribute your gift to the body. Okay. So then it says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I have a news for you today. We are all called into full-time ministry. Every one of you is called into full-time ministry. It is full-time ministry. Every single one of you is a follower of Jesus. You are called into full-time ministry. You minister to your people and your neighbors, in your jobs, in your offices. It's always ministry, building up the kingdom. Your kingdom is your first assignment, to advance the kingdom of God. That is your assignment, first and foremost as a follower of Christ. And here's my encouragement. Be available to be used by God. Don't look down on yourself. Take the focus off yourself. When you think it's, I'm not capable, you're focusing on yourself focus on the king and say, God, if I make myself available to you, you'll take care of it. I know I'm unworthy, but I'm putting myself in your hands. Two, be faithful with what God has given you. Gifts and blessings and influence and your job. Be faithful with what God has given you. And be serving. In God's God's kingdom, serving leads to growing. Matthew 20 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give us his life to serve us. And he advanced his kingdom when he died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead. He was just advancing the Father's will. Let's pray. Jesus, 
Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for inviting us into the story of redemption and in the context of helping others come to know you. You could have done it all on your own, but you chose to do it through humanity, to send your son down as a human and flesh, to die on a cross for our sins, that we might be deemed as righteousness of God. Father, we don't even understand all of the things about you, but we are pursuing. So, Father, I pray for your your body today, this body right here, this local body, as we kind of focus our efforts and our minds around this body, Jesus, that each person in this room, each son and daughter, Father, would make themselves available to you, to be used by you, to glorify you, and to be faithful with what you've entrusted to their care, and to understand the magnitude and importance of serving. Serving leads to growing that they may grow and in turn grow others, that your body would be built up to the full measure, that we would become like you in the way we speak truth and love and, and our kindness and our humility and our gentleness and our self-control. God, who would just want to reflect you? And I could preach on this for hours and hours, but I can't because my time is up. And I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to use my gift and the gift you've given me. I acknowledge it comes from you. And Father, I pray for your body today that they would come to know you as well. And if you don't know him today, you want to invite the prayer team forward. If you need prayer today, they'll be up here down, down front. Come and receive prayer now. You don't have to wait. Just tell them, hey, I need prayer. I need guidance. I want to know what my gift is. Uh, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to just follow Jesus. Maybe you're praying for your marriage, a job. Just want somebody to partner with you and hang with you. Don't let this stop. Just come now. Come, come, come forward. Just walk up there. Get prayed for We'd love to pray with you and stand with you about whatever it is. All right, we'll have a time of ministry where we just pray together, and then my wife will come up here and make some announcements.